Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As old millennials, we've been prioritizing health and wellness a lot more these past few years. While we may not be Spencer pratting it up, just not just yet. I mean, Emily, don't don't count us out here with crystals <laughs> on our bodies. We are thinking how much more we need to stay hydrated. Recently, I started traveling with at least one liquid IV stick in my bag to make sure I'm staying extra hydrated, especially when it gets hotter or after a night of a little too much fun. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Use it the first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel a rundown, or after a long night out and on long flights. My sister recently got married, and as her maid of honor, I put liquid IV sticks in all the bachelorette party bags, and my sister and her husband put them in their goodie bags when we traveled to Costa Rica for the wedding. Those came in super handy after hitting an open bar in the sweltering heat. I'm a big fan of, yeah, it was very nice to have. I'm a huge fan of the watermelon ones and the tangerine flavor, which has an immune boost, even better when you're traveling and worried about keeping your immune system going. They fit easily in a toiletry case or even a tiny purse, so it's super easy to pour one in your water bottle. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone and contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and probably, I mean, I know for a fact because I recently had a Gatorade, uh, a much better taste. Oh, absolutely. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code OLDMILLENNIALSPOD. That's OLDMILLENNIALSPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code OLDMILLENNIALSPOD at liquidiv.com. Bye. Our podcast producer, my 12-year-old Boston Rat Terrier, Murray, has a very discerning palate. Luckily, Nom Nom's Turkey Fair recipe not only has fresh ingredients, but it's also made with his favorite food, brown rice. It sure is. Nom Nom's food is full of fresh proteins your dog loves and the vitamins and nutrients they need to thrive. You can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more. Your dog's health starts in the gut, and a better diet means softer coats, more energy, and better breath. 
This is how Nom Nom works. You tell them about your dog, age, breed, weight, allergies, protein preferences. They'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you. Store the meals in the freezer or fridge until it's mealtime. They'll give you specific instructions on how to transition your dog from foods like kibble to the always fresh nom nom for the best results. Watch your dog clean their dishes, dance for more dinner, and overall thrive. And if your dog is anything like Murray, ooh, he is going to dance for dinner and clean his dish sometimes at the same time. Isn't it time to feel good about the food you're feeding your dog? Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynom.com slash old millennials. That's trynom.com slash old millennials and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Bye. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I'm your other host, Emily Bejan. And while we are still on hiatus, it is not back to school for us because we are adults, so jokes on you, kids. We will be coming back later in September, I believe. So we are just going to we're going to finish out our little summer season that we've got going where we are talking about and just like that. Now, we are covering episodes 8 and 9, and then next week we've got 10 and 11, and I think 11 is the finale or possibly series finale as people yes. are speculating online. question mark. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got two more episodes for of this little mini season to go, and then we're going to be right back at it. I want to say that I'm enjoying watching this, um, but it's mixed. <laughs> it's mixed to weird. I think what's been the most disappointing this season is there's been glimmers well, of hope. We're starting disappointing? Well, no, 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 no. It's like there have been glimmers of hope this season. Yes. Last season, there were not many glimmers of hope. This you know season, what? You're right. You're right. You're there have been the, the typical Catholic, like, it could be worse. It, there were, But there were glimmers of hope. And I think that's why I get angrier at times is sure. because we've been led to believe this show is going to pick its pick up the pace now and it's going to it's hit a it's hit a good stride like it's going to know what to do with itself. It, it feels like the magic is back. And then as soon as it feels that way, it immediately is like sucker and then just goes off the deep end. I told you they like the writers fucking hate us. <laughs> like, really do. What it feels like. But I think like the magic that you're referring to is like that really excellent or at least, you know, excellent in the context of talking about the show, a three episode run that Samantha Irby wrote. I really yes. felt like episode eight landed like a fucking anvil mm-hmm. a little bit. Nine mm-hmm. was like a bit of an improvement. But I will say the one thing and I you know I complained about it last time, but I'm going to keep harping on it because I wonder if anybody else feels the same. But my sense of time in this show is so um, confused. Like, yeah. it's, I know that they, they continue to be like, it's only, it's been one month since you've been seeing Aiden. Like, I appreciate this shout out, but I'd also like them to tell me what, like, month we're in or, like, I just don't understand the point of how, it, like, they're doing it on purpose. Like, they go out of their way to, like, include holidays and stuff. Like, they want us to notice the yeah. month of time, but they don't do a good job of doing much else than that and it just feels like it confuses the whole thing whereas like in the previous not to always talk about the specter of the 
previous show, but in the previous show, it's just sort of like time just sort of like passed. It wasn't really necessarily always dictated by like yes. some sort of holiday or like seasons as much. I, I was going to say that you bring up a, this point where this show wants to have it two ways. It wants to have a linear narrative where we are you know, beholden to a calendar with seasons and holidays, but then it also wants to be able to tell the story it wants to tell and disregard that linear narrative. So there's a very like pulp fiction feel to things sometimes and not in a good way. And the reason I say this is like, I wonder there are sometimes there are points where I wonder, like, for example, Miranda going back into the work world. Like, did that not happen earlier than Valentine's Day? Because she would be starting a semester in like an internship the way it usually works. You know, maybe I've been gone from the life intern life a little too long. But the way I remember it working is that you start an internship at the beginning of a semester or a summer break. You are not just kind of jumping in when the plot line feels uh, feels like it should work. Um, and maybe that's me asking too much out of this show. Well, it's like, I can forgive that. It's more so I just don't understand. Like they want it, like you said, they want it both ways. They want it linear, but they also want to do whatever they want. So like, I think a good example, there are two examples, but one from the first season was Miranda making this whole big thing about going to Cleveland with Che, right? And then we never Mm -hmm. see her in Cleveland with Che and it's like barely even talked about. Right. You want Miranda to like make these big gestures, but we never get to see the payoff, but we're supposed to come along the ride emotionally. And that's really difficult if there's not going to be like a payoff or we're not going to like hear what happened. And also from like a friendship standpoint, there that you usually talk about that like I don't really like there's no way where you wouldn't really hear a glimmer of this conversation and they do it with the Aiden farm thing where like they build up this like Norfolk like farm situation and then she leaves and then we don't fucking see it and I just feel like that's so shitty and then even his ex-wife it's like she comes to the city I'm like what is the point then then who cares if he has a farm or not it doesn't matter we don't see it yeah I think and the other thing is time jumps in weird places here so like well, the it's time, like we're living in the future and the past at the yeah. same time. So, so we we end that episode where Carrie is going to go to the farm in Norfolk, and then in the next episode, it's like she's visited multiple times at this point. Like, what? I I don't right. know. It's unclear it's, how many times. It's very it unclear. And and I don't I, really get what the point of that is. Like then then don't talk about it at all. Like I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be gleaning from anything. But surely, I guess. You're, Maybe we're just overthinking it and we should just like um, Tenant, I should just let the the show wash over me and I should just say like, there are no rules here and nothing matters. And then maybe I could find, I could let go of a little bit of this, like, I need to understand where we are and how much time has elapsed. Well, uh, the, the, the reason I think it's so jarring is because even if people have been together, engaged at one point, lived together... 13 years, you know, starting to date again, someone 20 years later is not when someone has children in the mix an ex-wife in the mix and is long distance with the, you know, those kids are living elsewhere. No one is going to jump into this that quickly. Like it doesn't seem that this, the, this is this whole jumping into things is being done to further this plot to straight, you know, emphasize the strain and stress over whether or not this relationship's going to work or if it's doomed from the start because of how quickly they're jumping into it. 
but there's very little regard to what the reality would actually look like and what I think these characters would really do. And that is to say, Aiden can, you know, I do believe those articles that are saying that Carrie is Aiden's big, like I, I, I I prescribe to that um, analogy, but at the same time, I just think that a, a nice, you know, father of three kids is who seems to be pretty involved in their life and all that is just not going to jump into these things so quickly. I, I like it just feels so mm, I don't know. I, uh, sorry. I know a lot of <laughs> divorced dads who yeah. have no fucking problem ditching their kids to go get swept up in a romance. That's not really what I necessarily have a problem with. Uh, I think it's more just along the line. Like, and plus his kids are like grown or at least two of them are one's 20. Yeah presumably out of the house 17 he's either a freshman in college or he's about to graduate the only one we have to worry about is this future school shooter Wyatt which we will get to in episode nine I'm not letting that go because that kid creeps me out he does but creep me out we should just start at the beginning of episode eight which yes so you brought it up already so let's just start here because the whole central I wouldn't say maybe maybe it is the theme of episode eight is was big not the one was big a yes. big mistake yes. which yeah. I don't know about you but I obviously big is not my guy. I am a very like Aiden first Always. time around. I really Same. think she fucked that up. But you know, if I'm one of Carrie's friends, if I'm Miranda and she said that to me, I would have screamed into the ether because it's not about what what I think or how I feel. You put all of us and yourself through all this drama and you finally get the man and then you want to turn around and do this revisionist history at me that he yeah. wasn't the one after you've been screeching for the last yes. 25 plus years that yes. he was the one. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. We are sticking, like, you need to live in reality and not in, like, need to in live a stick-down village. You need to after, be here on Earth. I, like, I could see the, the plot of the first movie flashing before Miranda's <laughs> eyes in that moment when Carrie had the audacity to go off of Miranda because she happened to not report back that she said something to Big that night and that this grown-ass man took some some woman's words as the reason why he didn't show up to the wedding <laughs> that day. First off, I mean, let's how all... do you not, if you're Miranda, how do you not like immediately fly into a blackout rage and just be like, Carrie, get it together. Get your head out Fuck of your ass. You didn't put us, again, you didn't put us through years of emotional yeah. torture. You blamed your lack of wedding on me and we almost yes. weren't friends. Like, and now you want to turn around and be like, oh, now that Big's been dead for one whole year, maybe he wasn't the one? Yes. Lady, I need you to, like, have some bread and calm down. Like, that's what needs to happen. Oh, yes. but I know, I'm sorry to derail us just a little bit. What you said earlier about the way that stuff jumps around in time, because you said you brought up the first movie. Sometimes I do feel like the show, this and just like that show, wants to act like it's a continuation yes. of the movies. Yes. That is the biggest barrier for me of like the the time and place sense because it wants to treat it as if it's like a feature length. So yes. you kind of like fuck with the timeline a lot. But this is a weekly television program that has yeah. like, uh, you know, it's supposed to be 40 minutes longer or whatever. So I just feel like they're trying to essentially 
and this was maybe what was bad about the first season. They were trying to take a script that didn't make it into a feature and turn it into episodes. And yes. I feel like they're still pulling storylines from Sex and City 3 and Sex and City 4 that never happened and yes. trying to like shove them into and just like that so nothing goes to waste. But sometimes you just got to like compost those fucking ideas and like move on. But I think that I know. I could see, especially when you just said it, I could see this being like, was big, a big mistake, like a big yes. subplot of uh, oh. Second City 3, the movie, should that have happened? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And to be honest, if that conversation had been scripted uh, for a movie, or I bet you Samantha was supposed to be the character she had that conversation with and of not course. Miranda. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> why would you? The audacity to have I know. that conversation with Miranda. I know. I Again, know. She must be just digmatized to the max in order for her to think that yeah. that is possible. Yeah. So a good idea. So there's a couple of, of because we have to get updates on just how everyone in this universe is doing in an episode. Ten thousand side characters. Let's get to them. <laughs> let's get to it. So obviously, we learn about how Airbnb laws work in New York City because of this stupid. Well, the way that it's run, honestly, and especially by the end of like the ninth episode, like you can only have guests for 30 days reminds me of my friend whose mom lives in like an active senior um, apartment building and you can only have guests for like 30 days or yeah. else you, know, you could lose your apartment. That's what Che's like. I don't know how true that is to Hudson Yards, but that's the impression that I got. I was like, is Che like in an active seniors building? Like what's happening? To be fair, there's prob there's a law in New York and it's probably it's like the tenancy laws where buildings sure. yeah, just like in San you know, all no, of that. Yeah. I'm sure they're different like in every state because they're state regulated. So but that was that was yeah, interesting. Not like I it thought was that Aiden was overly suspicious in his like, Oh, I'm Brad and she's Janet. Like but you know, you're obviously like not helping manners. I don't know why he's so he is goofy, but like this is not a time to like be goofy. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I think they're like, yeah, that was just, I mean, it was, I feel like they needed a device to really, you know, seal the yeah. deal of their eviction. And it just, but it lands so weirdly. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, we obviously have Aiden and Carrie are very happily in love. You know, she's been to, to Norfolk question, number of times questionable. We don't know. <laughs> and we, we, and then has met the sons uh, and things are happening and it's uh, and, and much, and things are moving along. And I think it's important to point out at this point that, you know, Carrie obviously has uh, lunch because Charlotte and Miranda want to see Aiden and invite Seema but in the process, Seema has forgotten about the house rental uh, or sorry, sorry, not Seema has forgotten about this. But in the process, Carrie has forgotten about the house rental that she and Seema had talked about doing in the Hamptons. And for me, I um, I think this again, this goes back to um, this show has this thing where I think they want Seema to be this really great character who li happily lives a single life and has to and and um and wants to showcase how oftentimes, you know, fulfilling single lives are neglected or like that friendships can be in a weird place when someone gets a partner, that kind of thing. Um, but I think that they made Seema out to be uh 
way more, um, not immature about it, but like they just, they, I feel like they don't do the character of Seema enough justice in the, in this plot line. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. I think you and I talked about this a little bit, um, about like the way that Seema reacts when they're at brunch, which like, I was happy to get like a good old fashioned brunch scene between all of them. So mm-hmm. when she started acting passive aggressive because I watched the episode a little bit later. I had had it like not necessarily spoiled, but like I had an idea of what was going to happen. So yes. the way that she acted to me, I was just sort of like, okay, like I'm, I'm they're like laying down the groundwork for like this potential fight to set yeah. up. Um, I don't know if I necessarily read it as immature. Like I could understand how it could come across that way, but I did really like their conversation in the rain where Seema like tries to avoid her at like a wash ball. I thought that that was really real because yeah, I, I, and I think that it, it comes, it's hard to be like, I need to put myself first, especially like who would want to spend all summer with like a brand new, like loved up couple. Like that sounds super fucking annoying. And you thought it was going to be like, you know, hot girl summer type stuff like it's a really big shift and and especially when carrie's like he won't be there that much i was like oh my god you know he's gonna be there 10 times more than you think he's gonna be gonna be there yeah and even if you are just alone with carrie you know she's never gonna shut the fuck up about this guy so it's like it's too soon and it's not necessarily that carrie has this great love of her life i think it's just that carrie's the type of girlfriend who just lets a relationship completely overtake her personality yeah like seema who is so capital S single maybe it's also like painful to watch your girl down bad like that to like just sort of act a little bit like a loved up kind of fool and who, again who if when you had your expectation at single girl summer and then you had it thwarted by like ex-fiance I'm like madly in love with again yeah that's not the summer I signed up for and I think so many people would have paid money and been fucking miserable in the Hamptons and just swallowed it. And that would have ultimately ruined their friendship, not Seema canceling it. And also, you know, the line about Carrie being like, oh, I don't care about the deposits. Like, yes, we know you're rich. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I you can afford a late cancel fee. But again, that's not the point that the Carrie is just so so self-centered. And I, I kind of yes. love when she has these like classic friendship disagreements where it really kind of like comes out like how she just really sometimes doesn't get the point. Like her freaking out that Seema wants space. She's like, no, it just, it means more space. Like, no, you dumbass. It means that if you guys are on this trip together, she's going to murder you. And then you guys are never really going to be friends again. So just like, yeah, leave her alone. Stop like pushing Aiden on her. I hate that kind of shit. <laughs> no. And I, I agree with that too. I think that the, um, there's, I don't know. It's like this show again, it's, it's very much finally, this show has given us the angle of how the rest of the world sees Carrie, whereas Carrie's behavior was not totally always checked um, in the original show. And in this show gets checked by waiters, gets oh. checked by. <laughs> I mean, I think still my favorite episode is the the episode with the guy from um, Urgent Care from Younger. Where yes. Everybody openly fucking hates Carrie <laughs> for like 30 minutes straight. And, it's, and she just keeps being like, oh, okay, yeah, I deserve that. Oh, sure. Yes. No, fuck me. Okay, got it. Yes. Like that was probably one of the funniest that episodes was, they'd had in it, a very long time. That's one of my favorite. favorite episodes of like this new era. But yeah, I do like the open disdain for Carrie's just selfishness. <laughs> So I think that's hysterical. That's why I was like so surprised that we learned in this episode that she'd met Aiden's kid like a couple of times. I'm like, oh, and they didn't like scream at you? 
Yeah, seriously. Uh, the other if thing. Did, I'd like that footage, please. I, yes. And then the other thing that happens with SEMA, because I feel like we should just close it because it's it's hard to like come back to these people. And, you know, yes, there's yes, too yes. many people. These so, people. So, so meanwhile, SEMA, in, in terms of her pres- professional life, she uh, goes, she is working on um, dating uh, on, a, on a house or she's brought a proposition by her business partner to uh, help this very famous film director who's looking for a temporary rental. And her business partner is also urging her to date this guy, um, which I think we're led to believe he's like a, he's a Marvel director, but he's got street cred in the directing world. But like many directors out there in real life has, you know, gone on to make Marvel movies because they make more money. Uh, And so that's kind of the end of that. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pin on that one for, for now because it's going to come back in the next episode, but all of this is to say there's very much an enemies to lovers vibe going on, which we will see the rest of in the next episode. And usually um, I love a enemies to lovers, like book plot line, yes, movie, yes, all of yes. that. Um, I don't know if it's like the actor or the way that it's written. Like, I know that he's trying to be like a Taika Waititi, like knockoff, but I, every time this dude's on screen, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> like you know? I really cannot buy into it, but we'll see if they win me over, but they don't by the end of the, uh, the ninth episode. So I think Seema can do better personally. I agree. I think Seema is one of the characters that one of the characters that has been added to the show that I adore. Um, and I just, yeah. What about I think the ghost did... of Dr. Naya? <laughs> <laughs> and of course the ghost of Dr. Naya. Absent from episode eight. And I know it's oh my God. simultaneously filming another insane morning. show, the morning show. So she wasn't always available. And it kind of makes sense why all of her scenes kind of like happen literally like in a silo of her bedroom yes. or like yes. or just her apartment. Cause they're probably just like, Oh, she's here for like the day. Like what can we possibly shoot with just her since everyone's it's wrapped giving- already? It's giving to, you know, harken back to our episode where we interviewed Stu Krieger. It's giving Nebula in the scene on <laughs> Zequel where she's off to some random like a school or like studying abroad in the galaxy or something like that. Yeah, I, feel, I mean, it's it's giving Kim Cattrall zooming in for a scene, but she's not <laughs> actually acting against anybody because she doesn't want to. Um, we will definitely talk more about Naya in the next episode, but in, it's actually in the next episode, yes, I feel like it has like a whole, a full fledged plot line. Um, so our two well, other full fledged plot line, sorry, is kind of excessive for this show. We she have to call her that in the, in the next episode, just featured. <laughs> This episode has a huge emphasis on our two gals going back to work. So we've got Charlotte going back to work in the art galleries after being out um, for, you know, decades at this point to raising her kids. And then we've got Miranda going to work for like the human rights nonprofit um, and dealing and both of them are dealing with uh, some insecurities about things. So I guess we can start with Charlotte because it's kind of the dumbest thing. And it's Michael Patrick King in a nutshell, really, which is that she goes to start an art gallery job. Um, but she gets she's very self-conscious about her body because, you know, apparent she has a stomach. Oh, my God. Um, and there's this whole thing about the skinny belt, which is so fucking annoying. I just like I couldn't stop rolling my eyes. And then at the end, though, oh, it's OK, because there's someone in, in the art gallery, her manager, who is a bigger uh 
who is a bigger size that who's who is big who is sorry ugh, sorry there her manager at the art gallery is plus sized and therefore it's okay but because what should have been in a moment which was clearly written to be you and I talked about this Charlotte embracing the fact that all bodies are beautiful like people here are wearing what they want to wear and they look fabulous instead it comes across as oh at least I'm not that size so I can wear whatever I want to wear and that is for me was when I see the Michael Patrick King credit on this episode I I can't help but think this is him this is him. I mean, this is him. This is the most 90s in a bad way plot yes. line. You know, yes. like when they brought back the show and they're like, everybody's going to be diverse and it's going to tell stories and we're going to have body acceptance. And, like we're going to do it totally different because we're going to right the wrongs except this one. It's like, it, yes. and it feels very dated and it feels yes. like a boomer person who's not a woman's perspective on how women feel when they get older. And I have to say, I mean, like, it's like some of it is like, I think I was okay with honestly, all of this plot line up until when Charlotte is like, she shoved herself into like 83 pairs of Spanx and she goes out of breath to go talk to her fucking ungrateful asshole children. And then she waddles her ass over to the studio and she looks at herself and she takes, she finally takes off that stupid belt that was hideous to begin with and that you did not fucking need. And I don't know why these like tiny belts were ever a trend. I hate them. Put them all in a garbage can and light them on fire. And she meets the two gallery girls that what I think the generous read of this is that Charlotte thought that everybody at the gallery was going to be like these like skinny ingenues and that she was going to have another like chauvinistic art gallery man who values beauty and you know she's not that young anymore and all this other stuff. And so I think that's what they were trying to say. But instead what they end up saying is the and instead of Charlotte being empowered by having like a female um, art gallery manager who also like loves herself and like is so welcoming and accepting to Charlotte, it comes across because of the way that it's edited in the way that it's presented that Charlotte sees a plus size woman welcoming her and accepting herself. And she immediately rips off her Spanx because she feels better about herself because she's just like, yes, oh, well, I could it could be worse. I could be fatter. I could be this. Yes, because so because she looks like some average between ingenue ga- gallery girl and like, you know, oh, thank God I'm not that fat manager girl. Like she feels more comfortable with herself. But I think the generous read is that she feels so welcomed and she and it's yes. like a new era and women can be themselves and they don't need to be like cinched and plucked and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't come off that way because it doesn't have a fresh touch. And it's also not written by uh, someone who shares that experience. <laughs> I think one of the things you you said earlier that they're trying to right a lot of wrongs on this show. They're trying to update a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. And because they do it in just about every other department, some in that's better why ways it's than so others, annoying that they didn't that's why year. it's even more glaring. Like it's that's so why annoying. it's so it's so annoying and such a glaring oversight on their end because they have made this effort to do it in every other department that this plotline feels I would almost rather n- them try not to write some of the wrongs that they're trying to write, not as well as they could have, um, and and have done this scene better. 
than to try to, you know, incorporate a person, you know, that fits every critique of this, uh, the of the criticism the show has faced over the years and how it's aged in terms of having strictly white cisgender actresses portraying the main four roles. Um, well, yeah, we're, we somehow still have plot lines with Che as a vet tech, which I fucking do not fucking care about. I know. At all. Like, every time we are transported to those scenes, I immediately am like, why am I here? What are we doing here? I don't care. I they, it's Che very... couldn't give fucking Carrie a call and just be like, being a vet tech's cool. I, that's all I need to know. I don't need any other insight. I, yeah, at this point, again a waste of a great actor in Sarah Ramirez to have these half-assed plot lines just to keep Che on this show um, in a character that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I have a feeling based on the previews for the next episodes, that's going to, there's going to be an attempt between them and Miranda where Miranda might try to get back with them. I don't know. I wonder. In that case, I do hope that Che fucks that toby person who dropped off that box of kittens but yes. i will forever hate toby for making che think oh i should do more stand-up more stand. I'm, I'm so fucking mad that we're going to be subjected to that but speaking of che with their ex miranda yes she miranda is still um she's still she's still a dum-dum I don't understand what's happening. Like, was absurd. like, absurd. Did Miranda have a lobotomy that removed the part of her brain that rem- still- that like remembers that she was a fucking working lawyer for thirty years? What is happening? You're not an I, intern. You're in no. your fifties. There is so much. The only person in this office who looks sane is Raina, the manager who is oh, like pregnant. a pregnant lady. <laughs> yes. Everybody else is just like the two other interns are Gen Z stereotypes. They're very poorly written where we've got them like texting one another because they're so for, for context, Miranda gets an internship. Her co-interns are, needless to say, probably law school age, so early 20s. I also early think it's 20s. important to point out that it's a human rights organization yes, because that's, human rights Mar- rights. in case you forgot like I did, Miranda's whole thing for going She's a nonprofit girly now. She's a That's what she wants girly. to do. She wants to do pro bono work, which, again, begs the question, if you're going to do pro bono work, don't you have enough money to not live with Dr. Naya where you can listen to her get railed constantly and, like, not use the bathroom? Like, so like, do we have money? Do we not have money? Like what, what, like let's, in in the words, Emily, in the words of John Taffer, let's bust open the books, baby, because I don't, the math has not been mathing. I know. I know. The time has not been timing and it makes me kind of crazy. It makes me kind of crazy on many different levels. One, there seems to be this constant plot line this season where Miranda just can't fucking go to the bathroom. Like she goes on a date with an audiobook narrator where a cat is guarding the bathroom. And then because Naya is off banging her Tinder uh, slam piece in her bedroom and her ba- one bathroom is in the bedroom, poor Miranda is just standing there. How does Miranda not have a UTI by now? You're so right. What are we doing to Miranda? Why can't she use a bathroom? And then between that and then the potential bed bug situation by almost oh my God, stop. I, stop. I almost forgot about the bed bugs. I'm and so then, upset. How dare you? And then the the like going back and forth between homes like Miranda. Like a hobo. Yeah. 
I don't like, like, she's just packing up her little bindle, tying it to her stick and being like, I'm going to take the subway. Her brain and her urinary tract are just <laughs> in pieces at this point. It is. I, I just. I, I worry. Just, why would they let her use the bathroom? It's my question. I, I like, what did Cynthia Nixon do to these people? <laughs> Did she blow up a porta potty or something? Like, why are we mad at why are we mad at Miranda? Why are we mad at Cynthia Nixon? I don't like this is a woman who very competently ran for governor of New York and And was a very one of primary. She was a serious contender. Exactly. And if she was and if she won, would she even be on this show? No, no. No, I feel you know like that the there's like an alternate. Just... There's another Matrix reality where you and I aren't even talking about this show because it never no. happened because she's never the happened. governor or whatever. No, and it's it's a it's you know it's one of those things where sometimes I wonder if it would have been better that way. Like I'm excited to revisit these characters. I'm excited to see portrayals of women in Are their fifties, <laughs> but really at what cost? Right? Like exactly. At least the alternate universe where Greta Gerwig, uh, How I Met Your Father pl- uh, pilot didn't get greenlit. We get Barbie, we get Lady Bird, and we get Little Women and all sorts of great things. Like in this alternate universe, it it would have been so much better for Cynthia Nixon. Now it's urinary tract infections, lobotomies, and terrible tattoos. Like it's just- And don't forget of- the cat shit date. <laughs> the cat shit date. There's, <laughs> There's like- does anyone love me right now because your son, ex-partner, and ex-husband all hate you at this point? Like, there's just, Miranda has not been, and has only really been an asshole to Steve in this situation, and yet does Honestly, not get the asshole treatment that, like, that should be, that Carrie merits at this point. I, I genuinely worry for Miranda's safety. Like, I hope, like, they might as well just let her get hit by a car at this point, the way that they treat what her character. What if that's it? What's, what if? What if, what if after a Chase comedy concert, she gets mowed down by a car? <laughs> and not even, like, a nice car, like some crappy Camry. Not like all Camrys are crappy, but, like, you know, something like that. To reel it back in. Yes, yes. Miranda apparently had a lobotomy on the part of her brain that contained the information that she was a corporate lawyer for 30 years. She so she doesn't need to a de- partner to base herself and compete with fucking 20 somethings. So and act dumber than she is to make sure that she fits in. Like just don't eat the fucking garlic chocolate chip cookie, which sounds gross by the way, as somebody who always doubles the amount of garlic in a recipe. Yes. I, yes. There's, a time and place for garlic on almost anything but a chocolate chip cookie. So that's not on a chocolate chip cookie. Red flag number one that these girlies are red like flags. trying to fuck with you. I genuinely no. thought they were trying to fuck with her immediately. I was like, oh, it is was... that like is that like a, a shit cookie? Like, what are you trying to do to my girl? Like Marina is never cool, but that was just me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So it was, yeah. So needless to say, she's been dealing with conflicts at work because these 24, 25-year-old interns are not happy that surprise, Miranda's getting more opportunities because she actually has the experience of being a fucking lawyer. And in this portrayal, weird portrayal of Gen Z interns, we have a scene in which the their frustration about and jealousy around Miranda's opportunities gets to be so weird at which they're sitting at a lunch table eating their sweet green. And mm-hmm. you just see the two girls, the two other interns, are clearly texting one another and snickering and they have they have the sound on their keyboards so they have the sound on their keyboards and on their notifications so that there is fake. no that's so fake no on no, no one planet under the age of 52 has the fucking sound on their phone no that is the biggest hate crime of this of this and the episode. least gen z fucking thing i've ever seen in my no, life no they would never And so we have this whole thing where Miranda's getting these opportunities. These interns are pissed. And uh, thank God for someone having a brain at this uh, nonprofit pro bono law firm because Raina sets her straight and is like, listen, Miranda, you fucking practiced law for 30 years. Sorry that I'm giving you more opportunities because you actually know how to take notes and do shit. Like, uh, so in the end, Miranda is set to cover Raina while she is on maternity leave. Um, and I think we can just leave it at that because it's just so frustrating. There's no follow up. There's no like follow up. We, we don't check back in. I mean, maybe that's not to say we won't because maternity leave. I don't know in this country, maybe, maybe Raina's going to be back in like six weeks, but let's just say Raina's out for a couple of months and Miranda is taking over in that time. Maybe we will check back in, but not in the next episode. No. Uh, the only other things we want to cover are going to be around Anthony learning that Giuseppe, his very hot poet, uh, employee is gay and is clearly very interested in being with Anthony and Anthony is ready to fire him because he is very attracted to him. And that's been probably the most fun plot line of this season. I gotta say, I've really enjoyed it. It's harkened back to so many like fun things about this show. Like it's really the only thing that I've enjoyed. Like Anthony is really giving us the Samantha here because that would have been, that is a Samantha plot line. If I've ever heard of one where like, yes, I just like, I've had so much fun with the Anthony Giuseppe plot line. Well, wasn't there a Samantha plot line where she fired a guy so she could fuck him? Yes. Yes. And so I could see this happening like an opposite effect just once where like Miranda or like, sorry, Samantha would do like they they switch they flip the switch on her for the show if she had been on the show. I'm also but, just glad that Anthony's gonna get banged because or yes. have like a romance or something because they've really just like dumped on this guy. I mean, they, for Brian, most of the season, they fast and furious uh, Willie Garson, which I get it. Like there was already another death on the show, like a, a fictional That's not, death. I don't have a problem with any of that. I just feel like Anthony just this whole season, he yeah. was he was invited and uninvited to the Met like more times than than is reasonable. Yeah. Um, he's had like his business in jeopardy. He like kind of turned Charlotte into a recruiter. You know, he just hasn't had like a lot of fun. And I feel no. like he's a very fun character. So I'm glad that he's going to like 
yes. have this relationship with this younger man and have it be a little fun and flirty and sell some bread. I think that's a nice segue into the next episode, um, unless you have anything else you want to cover from episode eight. No, we talked about all of it. Other than, oh, Seema's last look when she goes to dinner to meet Aiden is, um, mwah, Ugh, I, I love that. I Great. She has Great probably look. my favorite outfits on the show. Yes. Like, I, I really, really like Seema's um, outfits. She, she dresses the way I think I should dress, but probably couldn't pull off. Agreed. I hope that I'm that fabulous, you know, at one any point in my life. I'm, yeah. Cur- uh, like if anybody would like that to happen currently, that'd be great. <laughs> great. I would fully appreciate it. Wish so, I could afford a daily blowout for my hair. That seems extremely expensive. So I think <laughs> let's let's continue on the Anthony and Giuseppe of it all for uh, sure, because it's nine. very short, which I it's mean, very it, could, short. it could be summed up thusly. Yes. Uh, they make allusions or at least, uh, well, Giuseppe actually says my favorite line of probably the entire and just like that run, which is uh, seven dates and no dick. That's not very how you say gay. That was extremely yes. funny. I Someone clearly uh, loves Hilaria Baldwin enough. What was did you say? Not very gay? Cucumber. Um, but I thought that was really funny. But it, it started out with... Funny. Uh, Giuseppe calls Anthony Tony. He can yes. be Tony to Giuseppe's Maria. He tells yeah. Maria to go fuck off. He pretends that he can't invite him up because of his ex and like the landlord is spy. Like Anthony just has every excuse in the world, right? Green. And he then thinks it's a green card marriage. Well, it, like well, he also then Anthony had my second favorite line of the whole show when he tells Carrie, "I know that Giuseppe wants a green card. I've watched all thirty-five seasons of Ninety Day Fiance." <laughs> I was like, me too. And he doesn't. He doesn't. So that was also really funny to have the reveal that Giuseppe's mom is from Buffalo. I really was hoping he'd say Buffalo. But um, I was very pleased to see then they uh, immediately have sex in Lily's bedroom. And that serves Lily right because Lily can go fuck herself because every kid on the show is a nightmare. Uh, Well, I'm sorry. Now we got to speaking of Lily can go fuck herself. We got to bring it up. So, well, I have to say. I don't care. So I'm glad that there was a de-emphasis on Brady and Lily having sex and more about what that means for Charlotte and Miranda. And Miranda. I liked the Charlotte like, and Miranda and team me too. Up, me even too. though them going to a Chipotle was like, wow. <laughs> How far mighty have fallen. I mean, I know. Working girls. I mean, I know that, you know, Miranda fucks with like a Pret-a-Manger or whatever. Like she's that kind of girl. But it was so, it was really no. funny to see her even do the her orders. like. Mr. Magoo routine at fucking Chipotle. Like, oh, I'll try the I'll try the plant-based stuff instead of the steak. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Miranda would never. This like no rice plant-based, like Miranda Hobbs Esquire would never. Queen well, of a she's salad, a hot bar salad. Now she's well, <laughs> chicken she wings. Miranda Hobbs, formerly Brady, formerly Che Passa, Hobbs again, intern. Um, and I guess intern Miranda Hobbs, formerly Brady, formerly Che Passa, now currently again Hobbs, eats the plant-based option at Chipotle. Oh but the God. no rice is the smart move. Sorry, it's just filler. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But so I will say as much as I was dreading your premonition coming correct, because I thought that it would mean that we would have like more scenes with these kids. I was really pleasantly surprised that we did. Yes. So I'll yes. take that because I thought I them, will take that too. like talking about it was funny. I really liked Charlotte talking about it with Harry and Harry being like, oh, then, then we get like maybe we get Miranda's like a mother in law. And Charlotte's like, oh, she'd be a nightmare. And I just thought it was so fucking funny. <laughs> 
But I just, it's so, yes. I thought that was really good. I really, and I love them like spying on the Brady and Lily in the kitchen because it was a way to involve the kids, but then I don't have to hear them speak or act like dicks. And I'm okay with that. The show has never done enough with Miranda and Charlotte's friendship, which I think is a disservice because I think that in real life, Kristen, I think that um, Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon are actually quite close. Like I think of the cast members, I think they are, they're pretty close. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that it's a, the only time I can remember them having a few like episodes together or plot lines is in the second movie where they're comparing being mothers. And that's like really it. And it's unfortunate because I think that they are, very funny together and I do to your point really enjoyed how they handled this plot line even if I didn't like the plot itself actually happening I do think that they were very funny about it um and yeah I it was I'm I'm glad that we had the focus on the two of them versus the kids um and we didn't have too much time with the kids uh which I know but I do I do share in Carrie's sentiment when they tell when Miranda and Charlotte tell her like oh Brady and Lily had sex she's like that's like hearing my stuffed animals had sex and then she immediately disassociates (laughs) she's like cheese now and that's like the correct response but it was interesting to have so I have a couple of questions for you well a comment and then a couple of questions for you um, in the lead up to Lily and Brady having sex because it Miranda is giving Brady like a hard time about how he's not in college. And then she says like a really elitist thing about like, oh, you can't just like make fries your whole life, which I was like, yeah, yes, he can. That's fine. There's there's like such a de-emphasis on the value of just having a job, like a job for a job. Like not everything is your fucking passion. Well, not every I- sometimes a job is just a fucking job. And I think it's such a valuable skill when everybody just wants to be an influencer. Sorry to sound like I'm one million years old but i just feel like yeah having a job is fine like he's just gonna make french fries what's the problem what's the problem the other thing i think it's kind of rich of all this is that his own father was a bartender like good god you know what well, i mean you like, remember how, what a big problem she had with that anyway with that yeah and i'm like you clearly got over that over time i mean part of it is probably because steve ended up owning a bar with aiden which i no resolution i have so many questions and no mention steve, no mention, no mention aiden ever no, and then no, no mention of aiden, and aiden. And steve like it's so like do they even know each other anymore like what what did he they sell were his friends shit? they were business partners never how would have how would Carrie even have weaseled her way in the second time if they didn't have that fucking bar together and she didn't bring up that dumbass plant? Okay. Oh my god. Yes, I know. Oh like this, this show has like amnesia sometimes, and we're all it like, really does. The North remembers. Like, come on. But my other question is: Is Brady Rainman? Because Miranda like keeps making these little jokes. Like, you're so smart at math. Like, you just did all of that in your head. Like, is he Rainman? Is that is that what she's getting at? I. I think I don't think Brady is Rain Man. I think that Miranda is a typical like mother of a boy. You know what I mean? Like those like totally boy mothers, right? Like oh my god, he ties his shoes like so good. You're like yes. he's forty six. No. <laughs> and and keep in mind, I I say this with love to all my friends who have sons. I am not talking about you. I am talking about a generation of women who just. 
anybody that knows us should know we're not talking about them. We're just making casual observances, especially, you know, as people who now know adult men who definitely have had their mommies tell them that they do a good job at everything, even though everything. Yes. But so that was my main comment about Brady. But then my other comment was, uh, so Lily hasn't hung out with him since the ski trip where she alluded to him basically like jerking off the whole time. I also, in this world where they live in New York City, yes, Miranda is across the bridge, but they are still in the greater New York City area. On what planet has it been that Brady and uh, Brady and Lily have not seen each other in over however many years at this point? Like, I just don't, I don't know about you, but growing up, like my parents' best friends, I'm going to see their kids all the time. We're basically daycare to one another. Like if my parents are going to go have dinner with one another, like we're, you know, somewhere in the background with the sitter. Like, I don't know. It just, it felt weird, but maybe I'm asking too much of this show from an accuracy standpoint. I just want to know if she was alluding to Brady jerking off on that ski. I on think that ski very trip. well could be. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Um, but was there anything else from this other than Miranda again is being denied bathroom access? <laughs> well, that's a great segue into Miss Not Doctor Naya's love life or sex life, where she's like having sex with like like what seems to be a mid twenties Fabio type. Like he's just got this hair. Um, and, uh, you know, it's to the point where it's clearly affecting Miranda's urinary tract. Cause we find out that the bathroom in this one bedroom apartment is it, or in this two bedroom apartment is in the master. Uh, but what we do find out though, is that in the midst of Naya having this carefree sex, one time she does see on her phone that in fact, her ex Andre is now having a baby, the baby he wanted with his new girlfriend. And well, I also have to point out the girlfriend is the backup singer that he told her he wasn't yes. going to cheat on her yes. yet with. Yes. So yes. that adds another, like, I would say layer to things where you're like, yes. No matter how well you're doing, you'd be like, wow, yes, you're yes. a piece of shit. I don't know how you yeah. don't have that reaction. But yeah, yes. I mean, it's just Naya having carefree Tinder sex with a total himbo. And yeah. she doesn't even have to pretend that she cares about him in any sort of way. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like they haven't really had any sexy sex stuff in a really long time. So I am I guess I'm glad to see it. But yeah, yeah I yes. feel, again, I... I in that scene, too, I really felt like, especially because Nia literally doesn't interact with anybody else in the cast. I'm like, I feel like she, her stuff now has like, has now usurped Lisa Todd Wexley um, in the sort of like silo of like, you're on a different what? show, I think. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And by the way, Margot, um, I have a question for you. Did you know what? that Lisa Todd Wexley is a documentary filmmaker? <laughs> You know what I want to talk about? Her office setup. They're very rich. Why does she work on that tiny, tiny laptop inside of like her closet? closet. I mean, look, I'm not one to talk. I am currently recording from inside of my closet, but I'm not rich. That is my counterpoint. The other thing is just like if if space is an issue, like all the bedrooms are taken up by kids because they've got three kids. I get it. Um, And they're in an apartment in New York City. Three. Okay. They've got there's they've Herbert got, Jr., the little girl, and the Gabby. Bonus? I think there's like a little one. I think a little boy. Maybe I'm making that up. I think there's three. Because what 
It kind anyway, of doesn't really matter, but um, it doesn't really matter. But all of this is to say, if space is at a premium in their New York City apartment, like they have the money for her to like be at a WeWork or a coffee shop. You know, there's just like so many other options here where like she is not at home in her closet working off of what looks like a vanity. Like, let's. Call I know. It what I it just. Is. I was like, leave that for us. You know, that's how we yeah. work. We don't want to yeah. see this. I just think it's yeah. so funny because every time, like the like her being passed out at her desk I'm like how like spatial how I know I know and then oh and then the cliffhanger is speaking of children uh we may not know how many they have at this very moment but they are soon <laughs> to be the parents of a of another child because we leave the episode with Lisa informing Herbert at their his um at his fundraiser at the Golden Blots house that she is pregnant yeah even though I know some people had problems like with Harry throwing this fundraiser i'm like no i we need more of this kind of stuff it's sort of like yes. the housewives like we need an all cast party we all cast yes. need like everybody needs to show up to this thing because i need to see everybody interacting with yes. each other and yes that's what needs to happen a little bit more to kind so, of make this feel like bring all these like disparate plots to like a central location and speaking of harry he thinks that charlotte's boss is into Charlotte, which is just this feels very out of character because Harry's never yeah. struck me as a particularly no. jealous person. Never, never. And him being like, no. "You're working late." I'm like, I don't really think that he would react like that. I don't know. I, I found it odd and convenient. I missed the goofball a few seasons, a few episodes ago, dressing up with his American wigs. Can we give him the rocks. wig back? Can we get the just, honestly? If a, him becoming jealous. If him becoming jealous means that he puts the wig back on to spy on Charlotte at work, I I will let all of this go. Also, I'll let it go too. Um, so that's I mean that's that. And then there's a conversation with Carrie and and Mark Kasabian, uh, uh, where Vince, you mean Victor Garber? Victor Garber's character's name is Mark Kasabian. Oh, which, yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. In my notes, I just write Victor Garber's back. <laughs> I don't know. Victor Garber's back. So there's a conversation with them where, you know, there's glimmer of Harry's <sighs> of of Carrie's grief, which, uh, you know, this up uh, this season has done kind of over again, which I in some ways I like when it's done well, which is to show that grief is not just a period. It is like a gradual thing that continues in your life and you're never like fully done with it. And is also um, something that is not linear, which the show exactly. is obsessed with. Exactly. But it's just, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, we've covered a lot of the plot lines except for, uh, well, we got to talk about, well, like, we'll end it on, let's end it on Karen, Carrie and Aiden. Um, so we'll talk sure. quickly about Che, che because we, well, che, che might have a love interest again. Yes. Well, yeah, the Toby character. But I, yes. before we get into all of that, though, one thing I like don't really understand the point of why it continues to happen is in episode eight, Che goes over to Che's apartment um, yes. while Aiden and Carrie are there and they're all giggly and Carrie's acting so out of character. She's like opening beer bottles on like the countertop and Che's like, oh, why didn't this work out? And they're all like cagey and then they smooch. And then Che uh, surprises Carrie with a kitten, which was very funny because Carrie is like the least likely person to ever have an animal because I could not imagine her taking care of anybody else, barely even herself. Um, che asks again, like, why Aiden can't be in this apartment? And Carrie gives another, like, vague, like, 
did we have a lot of hurt memories and hurt people hurt people and like so why do we keep a why does Che keep asking this stupid fucking question and what and are we ever gonna tell Che and if we're not can we just like forget about this because it's so bizarre it I just find so the whole bizarre. approach I'm, to it to be strange I don't know why we're not Margo, forthcoming I'm so glad you bring this up because for a woman who has spent her career writing about her love and sex life it has to have come up it's come up that she's cheated. She cheated on Aiden with Big. It has to have come up. It did come up in the book, the original book that she writes in the show. So why on earth is she being so vague and cagey with Che when it is on fucking public record that she cheated on Aiden with Big? Like, Aiden, like Che can go to any bookstore and they can buy that book, pick it up, and just find out for themselves. Like this, it's weird because again, the show Amnesia doesn't serve its serve a great uh serve itself here because it leaves everyone kind of bewildered as to why Carrie continues to act this way. Or why you're even making Che say this stuff. Like if Carrie yeah. if this is the reaction you want Carrie to have, what is Che even getting out of this? I don't know. I don't know. And it's just it's annoying. I, I hate that we are finding, we're pulling, finding new ways to keep Che into this plot when it just doesn't make sense. And again, bad use of a really good actor. I can't stress this enough. I think it angers me time and time again because they've just, they've screwed the pooch on so many fronts when it comes to Che, no pun intended, with their recent uh, job. Uh, but yeah, it's just been... It's annoying. And now we might get another stand-up set. <laughs> Spare us, please. Yeah, I said, I wrote my notes like, I'm on my knees begging you, please, no more Chase storylines. No one cares about Chase stand-up career. Just leave it alone. And I mean, now that Carrie and Aiden are moving out of Che's apartment and Che can afford to live in Hudson Yards again, it's like, what do we even, there's no universe where you think where, the, where you could convince me to think that Carrie would keep in touch with any old coworker, especially one no. that broke up with her friend. No. We, I just, we, I don't we ditched Bobby it. Lee a couple of episodes ago. <sighs> Thank God. Honestly, <laughs> if ditching Bobby Lee means more Che, then fine. I'm fine with that, I guess, if those are the two options. But anyway, you, you, back to Carrie, Carrie and Aiden and their, uh, their real estate conundrum, or I guess Carrie's real estate conundrum, since... I'm not really sure how much like financially Aiden's going to be chipping into all of this. But what I think is extremely funny is that Carrie brings Miranda, who is ostensibly homeless, to this gorgeous, immaculate, giant, beautiful four bedroom townhouse and basically goes, look, you can't live here. This is the theme of this whole episode. So this happens not one, not once. Just so there's, there's, it happens with Miranda, and then to add fuel to the fire, at the end of this episode, we've got Carrie coming, you know, strolling up the steps of her apartment where she runs into her younger jewelry designer neighbor, whose name I've forgotten because there's just too many people to remember here. I'm like and Luce or something. Lu- like Lucy. Luce, Luce tells us that she is being evicted from her home, and Carrie's basically just like. Oh man, sucks. That really sucks. And as she walks into her apartment that she is 
not even has not even put on the market just yet. Rather than, I don't know, doing the thing that a rich older lady could do in this situation, which is to rent this apartment out to her younger friend and let her keep her life in New York. Well, uh, I think that there's a lot of speculation that Carrie is going to ultimately let her live there because why else would you bring it up? And in a new chapter of like right exactly I, so i really makes sense. i really think that's what's going to happen and i don't know if that's going to interfere with her relationship with aiden or if it really is going to be a new chapter so, or what but also i think evict you know i feel for loose and her stolen goods from the season yes. premiere or however many episodes that was kind of rough <laughs> I feel for her and everything, but it's not really an eviction if you were subleasing. It's like these guys are just moving back to their apartment. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I use the word eviction very much. No, no, no. Here, I'm saying yeah. this to her. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so so obviously we we see Carrie the the because they've been evicted from Che's apartment, uh Carrie and Aiden are looking for a new place. Carrie finds this place that Seema shows her. She's on board. Uh, and along the way, though, we can't forget that we get to get a glimpse of one of Aiden's children who, Wyatt, on FaceTime, who may or may not be responsible for some mass violence in the next couple of years. Like, I don't want to put that out there. We do not condone violence on this show. But if nor do I think that and just like that could handle such a serious topic to begin with. But it wasn't oh. until Carrie has. Uh, coffee with Aiden's ex, Kathy, uh, and Kathy calls Wyatt, quote, our special little puzzle. I was like, wow, that's oh, scary. No. That's scary that's, if your parents even calling you that. But my that's first- what you say on the Dateline special. That's following. literally what I texted the group chat. I was like, this is a future <laughs> Dateline episode happening right before our eyes. But my first thought was immediately on the FaceTime, I was like, why does everyone on the show have a shithead kid? Why does this show have such a low regard for children? Like- do they all have to be little dicks? I mean, not like they even need to be pleasant. But remember when this show used to never, like, barely even acknowledge that these women had families? Like, I can remember, I can count on one hand how many times they've acknowledged their their past families. There is and one of them was the Miranda's mom died episode. But you don't really find out anything. So I just find that to be interesting. Like, then leave the kids out of it. I, yeah. I think at this point, it's just gotten whenever we try to introduce a new kid into the mix, it ends up being like just <laughs> one extra level of painfulness, like that's inflicted upon all of us or one level of pain that is inflicted upon all of us. So we meet this kid who is probably, you know, making a murder over here. Uh, <laughs> and we also get to meet Aiden's ex-wife played by Rosemary, Mer Rosemary DeWitt, who I thought was actually great casting. Like she strikes me as definitely the woman Aiden would have married. Um, she's, totally. she's in text textiles. Like I, I get the vibe totally. And in, you know, so the, the meeting between the two of them goes pretty well. It's, you know, I, I guess they met in Norfolk, at least that's what we're told. And then after that, uh, we get from Aiden's ex that uh, kind of two things. One, she does. She knows that Carrie is a writer and she does not want any mention of her boys in the future material that she writes, which is obviously setting up a plot line, you know. There's no or other maybe reason not. The show picks and chooses what it wants to pay right. off. That's very so true. It's hard. I think it's really difficult to ever even be like, ooh, like that setup or like, ooh, I could see this happening because they could just turn around and be like, fuck you. That's not what's happening. But I think so, that it's fair. Like Carrie has yeah. 
has made money off of writing about her personal life for 30 some odd years and suddenly becoming a stepmother to, or, you know, ostensibly a stepmother to three sons when you've been a famously single gal and especially considering their history and all of that, that provides a whole new well of material that you can tap into a whole new audience you haven't reached yet. So yes, yes, I, I totally understand why Rosemary DeWitt would say this to her. Yes. And then the second the second thing that comes up in this conversation is that uh, Rosemary DeWitt warns Carrie to not hurt Aiden, um, which, uh, you know, again, this, this show falls will decide. In, this just falls under the everyone hates Carrie umbrella, I think. Like, everybody <laughs> knows what's, uh, like, what's up with her. <laughs> um, which, obviously, again, like, this show will decide what it wants to do with everything. That comes out of it. But I just think it's hard to predict because it's very hard to predict. We all thought we were going to see the farm. Then boom, go fuck yourself. No farm. Like, I just feel like there are just some things that you think are going to pay off and then they just don't. And I just don't. don't. This this show is harder to like theorize about than like Westworld ever was. So, yeah. And Carrie is really not supposed to talk to Aiden about the latter point, but she does bring it up when she sees Aiden next time because she's Carrie. And... You know, see asshole, <laughs> see asshole, and the two of them seem to be in this position where everything seems to be right. They are looking to start this new chapter in this new home. Carrie decides to buy the place. Yada yada yada. I mean, there's like nothing. I mean, really that house more- though. Yeah. I mean, holy crap! Like what? I know. Like that's my Barbie dream house. That's what my a Barbie dream house. Gorgeous too. place Beautiful. and like. You know, when you live in Gramercy Park, you gain access to like the oh park my itself because it's only for those residents. And so I've been in it. Ugh. It's incredible. So I years ago when I was in New York, um, this is when I had, you know, as a 20 something, I was singing in an acapella group in DC and the, you know, different age people in the group. So we were like ages 22 to like 42. And one of the people I was friends with in the group who was in her 30s probably at the time was double income no kids and so she had this amazing life and uh we got to stay in um the Gramercy Park Hotel uh and it was this incredible experience you know because you got the key and we got to see the park and it was beautiful and like it has been my dream ever since that one day if I ever moved to New York that I would be able to afford Gramercy Park so that I could have access to this park um, but yeah, stunning real estate. The crown molding is beautiful in this building. Like, job well done. It's not even a building. It's a, like a house. A house. I think yeah. it could have been split up into like separate apartments, but it's yeah. not. And I mean, that it must be $10 million. Easily more. And that's why I just wonder um, if Aiden's like chipping in on any of it, if like how all of that works out. I don't think so. I think that's just all bigs yeah. money. <laughs> I think it is too. Um, and knowing Carrie, like she, she, she's an asshole, but I don't think in this case she would want to complicate this. And I feel like this would be a purchase she would make on her own. Um, so I think that kind of ends it for us for these episodes. Um, do you have any other predictions for what these final two episodes of the season or series maybe will bring I mean, us. I don't know what's going to, I mean, it's hard to tell if, if they are setting it up for 
an actual series finale. I think what they're going to do is like the smart thing, which is make it make it kind of work as both a season and a series finale yeah. in case they don't come back. I mean, I think with like the strike and everything, there's it's really difficult to know if and when it'll get re- greenlit or what will how that will change what maybe HBO was thinking about doing before the strike versus after. Who knows? Who knows? I still think I still think that a part of me still thinks that they're probably going to kill off Aiden. <laughs> There's just something ominous about all of this. I don't know what it yeah. is, even though they portray it as like sunny, reunited, like beautiful second act love story kind of situation or third act or whatever act we're in love story. And I want to believe, but I don't even I think like they the only way that they could like have such a nuclear breakup again would be if like he died or like something happened to him. I see kind of two paths here. I see either the path of, to your point, it ends because everything's just felt so ominous. Like there's just always something dark that's been seep- like seeping in the background during these scenes and this plot line. The other option is, um, you, did you watch You're the Worst on FX? I fan- didn't finish it. Okay. Why? Well, so in the end of that show, the the couple, the main couple does end up together uh but they choose not to get married because they choose to stay together every day the 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 thought is that every day we choose to be together and like that's how they so they continue to stay together they have a kid together and everything but they never decide to get married and i wonder if there's kind of something that leads us to a wedding where things don't go as planned and aiden and carrie end up still together but in a a situation where it's going to be them never getting married or something like that. I don't know. So that's the only other way I can kind of see this going. In terms of other predictions I have, uh, I really hope that Shane Miranda stay clear of one another or they maybe have a conversation of closure. But I feel like they got closure last time around spooning away after they broke up. So I, I don't really know where they go from there. And then... I just want Harry to have a fun plot line, not one where he's portrayed as this like jealous husband because that's never been Harry's M.O. Um, and for Charlotte to just live her life in the gallery and that's that. And, you know, the kids continue to do OK. I don't know what goes on with Brady and Lily. Um, I, but I actually one thing I really do want. I don't want Carrie to give her apartment to her little downstairs neighbor. Loose or whatever her name is. Oh, I really? Want to actually, I actually really want Carrie to sell her apartment. I was really excited when she said she was going to because I just think it's time. Like, yeah, let it go, move on. You're not this person anymore. Like, I either wanted her to go full in, move it, like stay in there forever, or whatever. But like hanging on to it, like, what is the point? I yeah. I just feel like it's like this. If this show wants to be so different, this other thing, then like let's let it go and move on. And then if there is a third season, because I also think that's like a great way. It's a great series finale. Is if she just sells it. I mean, even yeah. if she ends up selling it to that fucking annoying neighbor downstairs for like a dollar or whatever, because she clearly doesn't need the money. I just hope that she does actually sell it. Sell it. I kind of I like that plotline you're you you bring up, which is that Harry that Carrie. Oh my God, that Carrie would sell it, but sell it to her neighbor at a very, very low price or for jewelry or something. Hopefully not. I mean, I didn't get a good look at that jewelry, so maybe not that, but like, you know, something. <laughs> I but mean, also, it's hot goods. It's hot goods, Mar- uh, Marco. <laughs> I guess. We'll see. But yeah, I just... um I just hope that she actually goes through with that because I just think it'd be such a cop out to just like rent it to this girl. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, let's go through and, like, complete the story and do, like, a full arc. Yeah. I agree. I don't really have any other predictions. Do you have any other predictions? No, but I will miss, like, watching this show with everybody on, like, a week-to-week basis. Like That was fun. One of the few shows, I think it's, like, probably one of the only shows that I watch with, like, everyone else, so to speak, in real time. And it's it's always nice when everybody, even if we're dunking on it, it's nice to have a show that, like, a common show with, like, the internet, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, to your point... Max is one of the few streaming platforms out there that is releasing episodes on a week by week basis. Almost everything else comes out, if not all at once, at least in larger clusters. So the appointment Mm -hmm. television of it all, like that we can, even though we're not watching at the same exact time, we're all watching it at a relatively similar time. It's been great to have that conversation in, in the real time. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for listening to our summer season chatting about and just like that season two we will be back in a few weeks in september because september's around the corner and i am now done reminding you about that if you like what you listen to please make sure that you're subscribed wherever you are listening to this podcast you can also if you're able to and you want to support this podcast uh, emotionally uh, you can leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to it so whether that be spotify or apple podcasts um and if you can't do that or you already left us a five-star review tell a friend tell an enemy tell Tell a coworker, tell whoever you tell a stranger on the street, tell your mailman about this podcast and make sure you share it with them. And if you love us so much, you can obviously always join the Patreon at any point in time. There is a ton of content on there, plus old newsletters, um, all sorts of fun stuff. We're at Old Millennials Pod and we have a $4 tier. Um, we lowered it from $5 to $4 where you get just one bonus episode every month. And last month we talked about Barbie. There's a preview on this main feed. And this month we're going to do a little back to school shopping, uh, a little trend watch. So if you want to hear our adventures on um, <laughs> in our real time adventures on like urbanoutfitters.com and God knows where else, please join us over at Patreon. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.